Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to the Mental Health Comedy Podcast. I'm your co-host, Ed Krasnick, my co-host, Jennifer Kalari, coming along shortly. She's a licensed therapist, and I'm an erotic Jew. Um, That's basically where we leave it. On today's show, a wonderful comedian, very talented, multi-talented, and has a, a special on Amazon Prime, which is one of the best titles I've ever heard for a special. Uh, her name is Erica Rhodes. She's going to join us shortly. And her t- the title of her special is La Vie on Rhodes. That is such a cool title. Okay. So we have a lot to talk about today. We're the show that explores mental health. We talk about mental health issues. There's a lot of talk going on about mental health everywhere. But we also like to practice skills because mental health is a practice. It's something that you you actually do. And when I say you, I mean me. It's something that we do every minute of every day. We're just not aware of it. And so now we're learning how we can shift things, you know, and why feelings come on. It's about how we relate to our thoughts and feelings. And you would think that we would have a lot of practice at this, but we really don't because I don't know why. I don't know what the answer is. We have all kinds of advances in technology, but in mental health, not a ton of advances. Um, So we're going to work with that. So on today's show, I thought we could talk about relationships, and I thought we could talk about dating post-pandemic and what intimacy is. I don't know what it is, but I'm just throwing it out to the group. Sit back, relax, uh, take whatever medication you're on, take it now. And uh, we're going to enjoy the ride. Uh, It's going to be an emotional roller coaster. Throw your hands up in the air like you just do care. I sound like an FM DJ from 1984. Here we go. Uh, We always like to welcome people based on wherever they're at emotionally. So here are emotional shout outs. If you're on a dating app and dream of someone taking a swipe at you, welcome. If you feel like the butterflies in your stomach should be on Zoloft, welcome. If you gave your mom a better help gift card, welcome. If you want to go out but also feel like you want to stay home and you're doing an emotional cha-cha, welcome. If your default response to everything is, what do I look like, a magician to you? Welcome. If you sprained your lips because you're not used to smiling, welcome. And if you want to go swimming but don't feel like changing your pajamas and wish there was something called a pajama kini, Welcome. And if you're beating yourself up even now, there's always a place for you right here on the Mental Health Comedy Podcast. Today's show is brought to you by the new dating app, Datari. Datari actually lets you simulate dates with real people. Datari lets you deal with all the stuff that trips you up on a date, from conversation starters to desperation station to overexpecting to reading physical cues to expressing simple things like the truth. Daytari lets you practice in a safe, fun, playful environment using artificial intelligence dating apparatus. 
It's the dating safari because it's a jungle out there. Have fun with it with Daytari. And now I want to welcome the high priestess of the hippocampus. <laughs> I want to welcome the sultan of serotonin. I want to welcome the queen of oxytocin. And that is Jennifer Kalari. Jennifer, how's your post-pandemic going? It's going well. We're, we're good. It's, I mean, at first it was a bit overwhelming, but it feels wonderful now. Things are starting to settle. It's nice. Okay. So that's, that's, that's a good thing uh, to hear. And you probably see a lot of this in your practice at connectedparenting.com. You should, yeah. you should learn more about Connected Parenting. We'll talk about Jennifer's work. But relationships, dating, intimacy, how, how, are these how have these issues been affected for the people that you're seeing because of the pandemic? Yeah, well, I mean, it definitely has. And and lots of the young people I work with basically were just saying there was nothing. I mean, there wasn't even anybody on the apps. <laughs> there was nothing happening. Right. Um, you know, do, what can you do? You can do a FaceTime date. You can go on a walk. It was just very awkward and it wasn't great. Um, and it, it sort of had two different impacts. So, so my clients and people out there that are kind of introverts, the pandemic's been kind of nice. <laughs> it's given you an excuse to not have to put yourself out there and not worry. And then for the extroverts, it's been really hard. They've been having a hard time. They've been missing that social life, that that experience with other people. So it's been tough. But I feel like everyone's had a bit of a transition um, to get back into normal life. A lot of people, when things were just opening up, were feeling really nervous. Social anxiety was um, higher than normal. Do I even remember how to do this? Do I know how to have a conversation? Um, so there's been a, a lot of anxiety kind of re-entering. But I think it's starting to settle down now. I, I even saw this with little kids. Um, but now there's no excuses. It's time to get back out there if you're ready to meet somebody. So, What are the tools or what is a, what is a skill that you can use? I mean, going out on a date is a frightening thing for a lot of people. Is, yeah. um, what, what is something that you can do to actually connect yourself in the moment? And for me... I don't know about people out there, but I dated in the Pleistocene era in the Andrew Johnson administration, not the, not the Johnson, not the Lyndon Johnson, the Andrew Johnson. So it's been a long time. But one of the things that I remember that was so challenging for me was over expectation. Expectations mm -hmm. really yeah. did me in. Yeah. How do you deal with expectations? Well, listen, it's not, it's not easy, but there are definitely things you can do. So I have, a, I have a few suggestions for people getting out there in the dating world. First of all, there's one relationship that's more important than any other, and that's the relationship between you and you, right? So the first thing I would suggest is really working on your relationship with yourself, your self-esteem, your self-worth, because really you kind of, you attract what you believe, how you see yourself is that's the kind of person that's going to come back to you, Right. So here's my first suggestion, and people can practice this before they even get back out into the dating world, and I suggest you do this for a little bit. Basically, I want you to think if you had a bank account, it was like a, it was you know, at minus 100000 and you put in $5, you're not going to notice. It's not going to make any difference. Building your self-esteem is a little bit like that. When you have been mean to yourself and insulted yourself and not believed in yourself for so long, when you think a few positive thoughts about yourself, it's not going to make any difference. For a long time, it's not going to make a difference. Probably for months, it's not going to make a difference. But I want people to start thinking about building that bank, building up that bank account. So, And it's literally like, oh, that was nice of me to do that. Oh, that was very kind of me. Oh, 
Congratulations, me. That was awesome. Just find little things all day long that you note and pay attention to that you're proud of, that are positive, that are really good about you. And we we don't do this. We, we're great at doing it about the negative things about ourselves. We do it all day long. But I think it's really important to start building that neural hardware um, where we start noticing ourselves for doing positive things, congratulating ourselves, feeling good. Do that all day and start making these tiny deposits. Now it's going to take a long time to get to zero. But once you get to zero and then you continue to do it, now you're in a much different position. Now you're a better friend to yourself. We talk to ourselves in ways that we would never talk to other human beings. Like, And it's so important to be a good friend to yourself. Now what we're doing is we're radiating, radiating an entirely different belief about ourselves. And now when you go into the dating world, you're going to have higher expectations. You're not going to settle. You're not going to hang on to something that deep in your gut feels like it's not right. Your standards are going to go up and you're going to have a much easier time. It's okay to be a little bit pickier. Um, and then the other thing I would do, Ed, is I would go on dates in your head. We talk a lot about imagineering. Um, imagine yourself going on a date, having an easy time, having a conversation, having a very pleasant time. Um, look and think of your first few dates as just practice getting back out there. Um, which helps with it, what you were saying, Ed, which is the letting go. When you hold on too deeply, when you have that angst, that kind of energy, the other person can pick, can pick it up. Um, and it will make you much less picky and settle when you shouldn't. So actually sort of imagining that you're going on these dates and having a really fun time, just a really easygoing time, what that will do is that will practice, that will help your brain with familiar, familiarity. So it'll think you've been doing this and it's been going pretty well. And then when you're actually on that date, it's going to go a little easier. Yeah, that's great. Imagining and how you talk to yourself. And also when you're imagining the date or maybe you're imagining a great date that you did have or a person that you're very comfortable with, feel the feeling. Mm -hmm. So so imagine it in your head. And, and you've talked about this a lot um, in Neville Goddard's work. Uh, feel the feeling while you're imagining it in your head. Yeah. Yes. So, and, and, and it doesn't even have to be a feeling about a date. You could be imagining something that just makes you feel good. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's really great. And Jennifer, very quickly, I want to do this. Let's pretend right now, because you can rehearse anything in mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. Let's pretend that you and I are the same person. We're one person. Okay. And we're, and we're having a conversation. I'm, I'm going to be some thoughts and then you're going to answer the thoughts about how okay. you might be so able to attend you're, to the thoughts. You're the same person, and yeah. you're doing the negative I'm, thoughts, the yucky. I'm thoughts doing the it. I'm doing the negative thoughts, right? Okay. And then All you're right. gonna you're this you're gonna first. you're gonna answer the negative thoughts or okay. respond in some way. Okay. Okay. And and really, what I'm driving at is I'm driving at how people could respond. Sure. Okay. I'm not like driving it. I'm not. I'm, Let's try it. Yeah, I'm not driving it like. Oh, let's give an example of how people usually respond. Um, I want, I want the. Here's how to talk to negative thoughts. Okay, let's do it. Okay, so okay. here we go. Okay, and I'm, and this is while we're on a date. We're on a date. We're one person. I wonder if I can explain this any further. Here we go. Okay, so, oh my God, he doesn't. She doesn't like me. She's totally not attracted to me. I suck. Okay. So this is tricky because you can't have too many complicated thoughts. Otherwise, you're going to look like you're spacing out with the person that you're having the date with. But the thought really needs to be, 
a, a, a compassionate thought to yourself and you literally say, thank you, negative thought. I get that you're trying to protect me. You're trying to save me. You're trying to help me out. You're, you're trying to protect me from pain, but it's okay. I've got this. Now I, you know, God, I'm trying so hard. Why am I always this way on dates? I just, I want to go home and lay down. <laughs> okay. So this thought would be similar. It would be, look, I, I love that you want to run away. I love that you want to keep me safe. Really send love to these negative thoughts. I know it sounds corny, but it really works because these negative thoughts are just information. It's the self-preservatory part of your brain trying to protect you from hurt and harm. And further than that, it's actually trying to protect you from danger. It can't tell the difference between a date that you think not, might, that might not be going well and a saber-toothed tiger that's going to leap at you. It's the same thing. To your midbrain, it's the same thing, right? So reminding yourself that you're safe, that this is practice, that this is okay, and, and, and actually being sending love and kindness to those thoughts, and usually they will dissipate. They will. So in the moment, if you if if this is something that happens on a date to you, you can actually say you know my, like key words like safe, mm -hmm. like uh, I'm okay, mm -hmm. like you know I just uh, you know it's okay. Even just I, thank you. Even I even just just saying I love you in your head to yourself can make a huge difference, and it can change your energy. Literally, it can change the micro expressions on your face. It can change anything that you might be projecting to that mm -hmm. other person. It keeps you centered. Yeah. Right in the more positive part of yourself, and and we've talked about this before. It it, it keeps you lined up in 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 um, heart brain coherence. Well, I've got one more that I have to do. Okay. Why did I order a Caesar salad? <laughs> no. <laughs> that's anyway. I don't have anything for that. You don't need anything for that. But that's okay. that's just me. Um, well, can, I, can I add one thing, and then we'll bring our guest yeah. in. Sure. When you do have negative thoughts, don't bash yourself further. Oh, there I go with the negative thoughts again. What an idiot. Right. I'm trying to work on that. Just let them go. Just notice them, observe them, and release them. Right? Don't beat yourself up for beating yourself up. Yeah, that's what seals it in a lot of the time. And that mm -hmm. is a common, such a common thing for me and such a common practice for a lot of people. And I yeah. say it's a common practice because even though if you're even if you're not on you're not conscious about it. You're always practicing something. You are. And when you're practicing so, negative thoughts without checking yourself, you're practicing that and getting better and better and, and better more at and more it. neural pathways. Right. So when you do what we're saying, practice it all the time. You don't have to practice it on a date. Practice it anytime you're engaging with someone else. You'll get better and better at, at communicating with people with more ease, right? And controlling those negative thoughts, which are a bit runaway for a lot of people. Everything is a practice. So mm -hmm. why not why not? you know, for a minute a day, practice, you know, feeling good, practice imagining something that you want. That, exactly. would, that, would, that could be a good thing. All right. Well, I want, I want to bring in our guest now who's been patiently waiting since uh, the early 40s. Um, <laughs> this person, boy, I knew her a long time ago when she first started really doing stand-up. And now she is a stand-up veteran with her own special on Amazon Prime called La Vie on Roads. Erica Rhodes. Erica, I'm so happy to be talking to you. How are you? How's your pandemic going? Oh, it's been it's been great. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe you somehow. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to answer that. It's been up and down and all over the place, just like everybody yeah. else. You you are a person who 
you know, I've seen you talk about dating. I've seen you, you know, some of your material, some of the things that you say about dating. What part of it is the most challenging for you? How do you think you want to change it? Um, well, I think it's sort of what Jennifer was saying. I've decided actually to just not date right now because I just have too much work to do on myself. So I'm doing exactly what Jennifer was talking about, which awesome. is, you know, fixing my self-esteem and getting it to a place where I attract the right people instead mm -hmm. of other toxic people. So you've actually, you know, like taken a break, which is such a smart thing to do. Um, such a yeah. wise thing to do. And how's it going? How does it, how's it feel to not be dating? Because some people, you know, are, that would be tough for some people. It actually feels great. Like I can just focus on the things I want to focus on and I don't really feel pressure to, I, I just don't feel the pressure that I know it's like a sort of societal pressure to date or find someone, but I just don't, I, I've been single now for like a year and a half. And I just, I don't know. I think it's really good, actually. Uh, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of guys right now who are crying, uh, <laughs> just well, sobbing. They're not, they're not calling me. They're too busy crying. <laughs> well, yeah, they're, they're too busy. They're too, that's the problem is they're so overwhelmed with this. This uh, this thing that you're doing here, this break that you're taking, you know. I did go to a party the other day, and a and a friend of mine who, you know, I'm I I don't think that we would date, but it was just funny because he I think he was trying to flirt with me, and I didn't even get the signal that he was flirting with me. So he came and spoke to me for about two seconds, and then he went and talked to somebody else, and then the next day he texted me and said. Hey, are we okay? And I was like, Yeah, why? And he's like, You just seemed a little upset. And I was like, I did. And I said, I was totally fine. And I said, And he goes, Oh, I was worried. And I said, Well, you didn't seem it. You just walked away. And he said, Well, I tried to talk to you, but you didn't seem like you were feeling it. And I was like, You, I was like, You talked wow. to me for about two seconds. Oh. <laughs> and the, and then and then of course the question is, You didn't seem like you were feeling it. But what are you feeling? What? Yeah, I don't know. I maybe he just. I think he maybe he's sensitive or something. I don't know. That could be. That could it's be so hard because all of this is really about just trying to figure out what the other person is thinking and feeling, and then you mm -hmm. overprocess and then you overthink, and maybe because you weren't like overtly flirting, it was yeah. scary for him, and that's okay. Because I, I love what you said a minute ago when you when you're working on yourself. And you get to a place where you're in a really good relationship with yourself. That's when someone's going to walk into your life who's who matches you, who's like a quality person. Instead of I think you use the word toxic, right? You're going to just meet. It, it's we're walking around advertising all the time the kinds of things we want life to give us back, right? So when we're angsty and we're overthinking and we're stressing, guess what? Life is going to give you more reasons to do that. Mm -hmm. Literally. Right. So when is you're it, at ease, you'll retract, you'll attract people who are more at ease. Is it okay ever to say to somebody, I'd like to talk to you right now, but I'm very busy learning how to love myself. Is that too long? I mean, it's a little, it sounds a little bit corny. A little. It does. It does <laughs> sound a little. You think head. so? You think a little bit? <laughs> yeah. Leave that one in your head. You know what else yeah. is really important? I think for people who are, are, are dating right now or thinking about it is, you can do so much work in your own head. Like what I would suggest is just imagine that the person, Erica, the person that you're going to meet is out there. He's out there. 
going for lunch, going to work, doing his thing, living his life, going to yoga, whatever he's doing, he's out there. And just kind of smile and appreciate that that person is out there without a, an angst, just a letting go, just a knowing that he's out there. And I'm eventually, a bit, I'm a little different in that I just don't mind being alone. You know, like it feels like to me that manifestation is like, as if it, you're desperately needing to know someone. So, so you're right. You're right. Because there should be no angst. There should be no yeah, desperation. No, it's more like, no, but there should be yeah. no feeling that you're missing something. Because to no, me, that's, that's a very good point. That's You're a good saying, point. I'm missing something, but it's out there. Right. Well, what if you just what, what? What if the person is you, and so you don't need well, that, that person out there? Yeah. That's, no, you're absolutely right. There should be no angst. So, so this is going to sound a bit weird. So, the way to do it is, and you don't have to do this if you're like very happy, complete on your own, then don't do this. But if you are worrying about it or thinking about it at all, the way to do it is just with this lovely confidence, know that that person is out there and you will meet whenever, could be years, could be tomorrow, could be many, many years. It's just this ease of knowing that it will happen when it happens, when it's the right moment to happen. That kind of letting go is actually really, really important. Well, one thing that I find comforting is if you think of it like um, when you do meet the person, it's just so clear and so you don't have to do this weird, you don't have to be concerned about um, that never happening because you know when it does happen, it's just a very clear feeling. Exactly. It's not like um, this sort of weird, ambiguous feeling. Yes. Yeah. You're right. You don't have to analyze every text. What did this mean? What did that mean? What, yeah, what, yeah. It just feels it, like it should just be very clear. Yeah. It, the, when it's the when it's right and it's, and it's the way that it should be, it does. It has this ease to it. It has this lack of angst to it. That's quite lovely. I used to have. Uh, I was a teaching assistant to a professor of human sexuality at Syracuse University, and he would talk about relationships like this. When you're in a mature relationship, it's very energizing. <laughs> you like it. <laughs> and when you're with the person you're supposed to be in love with, you're enjoying yourself. There's time for everything. There's time for showers. That's being in love. The other kind of love is immature love. Immature love is exhausting. Mm. <laughs> you're always, there's no time for showers. There's no time for anything. You're busy being in love. And when you're with the person you're supposed to be in love with, you're always fighting. <clears throat> That's how he would sound. Um, so I keep hearing his voice. Now, did I take any of that to, to, into account? No, I was busy doing the other thing. There's but some I, wisdom in there, though, right? There's well, no, he was very it, wise. Right? Yeah. yeah, he could, he could was scare he you. Was Bernie Sanders? Was he? he, was, he very similar. Very similar. In <laughs> fact, he, he should have run for president, this guy, because he was very funny. And his class, of course, was the most popular class on campus because- it was human sexuality, and it, people thought it was easy, but it was actually a really interesting class. Anyway, that's beside that's not the interesting. point. That's beside the point. Beside the point is now. Now, what do you look for? Okay, let's talk about dating in a different light, though. What do you look for when you're dating a therapist? What do you look for in a therapist? Like, what's what's a good match there? First, you're not supposed to date, you your, date therapist. your therapist. <laughs> I've been doing it all wrong. <laughs> I mean, the rules say you're not supposed to. Do you mean you're when you're choosing a therapist? Yeah, it's kind of like dating in a way, though. 
I mean, not like, not like really like that. Matching, I mean, it, you're, you're flirting matching. with your therapist, but well, like matching your therapist in the so context. It should feel the I, same. If you feel yeah. angsty and you're dreading your appointments and you want to cancel them or you're nervous before them, it may not be the right match. It should also feel comfortable. There should be this rapport. You should feel, I mean, not that therapy should be fun and easy. It should be challenging, but you're a consumer when you're choosing a therapist. And if you don't have the right um, vibration, if it's not a good match, then go try someone else. I think people don't feel that because when they're looking for a therapist, they have something that they want to work on or they need support in some in some area. So they immediately think, I don't know what's best for me. Right. But you should know, it really is, it's important to have that rapport and you should feel cared for and comforted and safe. And if you're feeling uptight and it's not working for you, then you're not going to get very much out of that relationship. It, it's a really important relationship. I mean, you can work on it and you will have moments with your therapist that you'll feel off, but the, sh- the two of you should be working on those together. Have you had good ones, Erica? Um, I have. I've had a lot. and. Uh... I had to break up with my last therapist, actually. <laughs> we did like a yeah. breakup. It's really hard. Yeah. It was. Yeah. It was very odd because he said something. He basically accused me of faking emotion. And I was like, I, I'm crying. I don't think I'm faking this. You know? <laughs> that and sounds like an was, interesting therapist. And yeah. before he said it, he prefaced it with, I think this, what I'm about to tell you could make you never want to speak to me again. And I just thought, well, why would you risk that? If you think this is going to make me never want to speak to you again, why would you try to say it? And then sure enough, what he said made me never want to speak want to, to him. him. Yeah. <laughs> so why would that, you say it knowingly, yeah. you know? Yeah, that that's kind of, that's kind of a, a way to frame something. Boy, if you're going to school and training as a therapist, I'm sure that that's like one of the uh, never do this uh, <laughs> kind do of things. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was very odd that he he accused me of faking an emotion, and then and but like, what if someone were faking it? Like, I don't think I was, but say someone was faking crying. Well, don't you think that 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 they still think that they're feeling something? There's, yeah, there's just some reason they're doing that. Of course, yeah, I don't understand. Yeah. I just didn't understand what that would accomplish, accusing someone of faking an emotion. Yeah, I don't well, know. That may well, be some I fake, I fake my own. There. I fake my own death to get out of therapy at one point, <laughs> which I think Very is a little extreme. <laughs> but but effective, effective. Um, no, but that's really interesting that you you know I, I think and when you terminate when you ending a. a, a an association with a therapist is one of the hardest things in the world to do Mm -hmm. because there has to be, there's this feeling that there has to be agreement. Oh, this wasn't hard at all. I just never spoke to him again. I just said, (laughs) which is kind of what he said. He already said that this would happen. So he shouldn't have been surprised. There might've been some counter transference there. He might've had his own issues in that moment. That's That's odd. I try to think of what school of thought that would belong to, but. I don't know. Uh, I mean, sometimes therapists challenge their clients, but I don't know if you do it that way. And I mean, listen, pain is a great teacher, right? So when you sort of question someone about something and they feel a lot of pain, there's usually some truth there, but that way, and and with that topic, I I can't, I can't find a reason why 
<laughs> yeah, Timia just felt like he he was invalidating my feelings, you know, rather than validating how I felt. He was saying, which was already to me was already the issue was that I don't trust my feelings a lot of the time. So then it just made me so it made it even worse. Yeah, that's called the shaming technique. Yeah, it felt and, very yeah, and, that was, yeah, I don't know. It's the shaming that. that that man was a shaman. He was shaming you. Um, he was a he was a shaman. I need a shaman, and he was a shaman. He was a shaman. Yeah. Do you want, please don't squeeze the shaman. Yeah. He's that's wow, and that would be very. I'd be very upset with that. Were you in the? I was very upset. Luckily, I was working with two therapists at the time. Uh, so he, they knew you were seeing you. someone else. They yeah, knew you were seeing someone else. I, well, I was, so I have a life coach now that sort of, you know, he's not a traditional therapist, but he's done more help than most therapists have for me. Well, I'm glad you had that because actually that could really do some damage to someone. That's a pretty, yeah. that's, that could leave someone quite raw and, and feeling quite rejected and confused. Yeah, luckily I was yeah. already working with my coach. Oh, so I talked to him about it and he he had a very different approach to to the whole situation. So Good. Well, I worry about people. I mean, first of all, I'm sorry you had to go through that. And second, oh, what yeah, about someone who didn't have someone else? Right? That's a pretty Yeah, I'm sure I would get somebody else, but um but yeah, I would have felt very confused, I think. Mhm. Yeah. Wow. Well, I, yeah, well, I'm glad that you're working with this, with this, uh, with this life coach, because yeah. if you have, it's based on, you know, how you feel and what kind of, how you relate to the person. And if you feel like you can be yourself and you feel like you can open up to someone and you feel like you can honestly communicate, that's a good therapy, you know, that could be a good therapeutic or a good yeah. coaching it's really relationship. It's about emotional safety, right? So you feel safe yeah. enough to examine your own stuff, to say what you need to say, to challenge the therapist too. Because yeah. that's part of it. Yeah, he'll challenge he's very challenging and it's but it's different because I can I know that he has my best interest at heart, you know, yeah. when he challenges me. That's rapport. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. So he's wonderful. He's helped me a lot. Oh that's great. I'm so glad you have that. That's really nice. Can you can I get his number off the air? No, totally. I, I'll give it to you. I'm not kidding when I say those things. But <laughs> but now now, Erica, I'm curious. Like, how has your performing, how has your stand up changed now that you have this this approach, and now you've put a pause on dating, and you've, you've you're taking care of yourself in maybe a different way? Does that affect your stand up? I think so because you know my coach is all about just being myself now. He's just like you just need to be yourself and stop identifying as cuz I kept saying things like my act, my act and he's like stop calling it your act. You just be yourself up there. I love that. You yeah. know? Wow. Like just yeah. be yourself whether you're doing jokes, whether you're in a social setting. He's like, just be real. Like everything's just about being real now. And I think right. a lot of my standup has been about performing until now. Mm. Well, and that means it's about a relationship, right? When you're authentic, when you're really just connecting, it's you and your audience, then that's a real relationship. And then you have rapport with your audience. Yes, too. and trust. And then you can mm-hmm. go to places maybe you wouldn't be able to go to before. 
you know, mm. so, um, and I've been talking a lot. My dad passed away this year. Oh, I'm sorry. So, I'm sorry. Thank you. So I've been talking a lot about that in my act, but I, but a, a lot of comics are like, how are you getting away with talking about death and getting laughs, you know? And I mm-hmm. think it's because I'm just being very real and authentic and they know it's coming from a place where, you know, I'm, do I'm okay while I'm talking about it. Sure. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, that's really that's fantastic. I'm really glad to hear that because there's no it 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 can be the greatest feeling in the world performing, but can it can also be a really unconscious kind of experience and it can also be a real fight or flight kind of experience and yeah. and you can do, you know, go ahead. Well, I can tell when I'm on the when I'm on the road, you know, it's already pretty grueling the road, right? So but when I do shows where I feel I've, I'm performing, like I come out and I'm like, hey, you know, like I have all this sort of fake energy. I'm exhausted. Yeah. Afterwards. yeah right. It's like I just feel so drained and I like I have to sleep all day. But if I feel real in the moment and I'm not. be energized, right? Yeah. I actually feel yeah. much. I feel like, okay, you know, I can do an hour of that pretty easily. But I wow. can't. That's amazing. Forming because it's just it doesn't feel real. I think that's also where standups go. About a, a ten years in, you know, I'm I'm coming to my nine, ninth year in, um, but I feel like standups usually say when they get to year ten, that's when they start sounding like themselves. Yeah, you're grounded. You find yeah. yourself. Yeah. yeah, it it is it is amazing. The people people don't the audience doesn't it doesn't matter what you're saying. It matters who you are and how you're being. Yeah. On stage. And and people don't like it's hard to believe that. But right. it's really true. That's why, you know, oftentimes the comedian, you'd be watching other comics and you'd be like, you know, that material shouldn't be getting those laughs. You know, it's right? getting a lot of laughs. Yeah. Well, the reason is because the person is being they're yeah. being relaxed. They're being well, okay they with themselves. Right. They're in a relationship with the audience and the audience feels part of it and that feels authentic and it feels real. And, and that's why Erica, when you talked about your dad, you're, it's very therapeutic with the audience because they can watch you. You've moved through the pain and you can now talk about it in a different way, which gives them a lot of hope because a lot of people in that audience will have all, also experienced loss to some degree. And you talk all the time about how comedy is therapy and it is. Well, yeah, it, it, it absolutely is. And of course, just like in therapy, the same thing applies you want to talk about the things that are most uh, that are up for you, that are happening for you. Don't deny mm-hmm. the things that are going on inside you, and then put on a happy face and start telling jokes, because that's not that's not a place that you can survive for long. You know, it's not a place that you want to live or be, because mm-hmm. it's really two things going on at the same time. Which is why, you know, a lot of comics have mental health issues because they turn it on on the stage. But what they're telling themselves when they get off stage is very, uh, you know, is very unkind and very difficult. And so well, it seems interesting because it seems like a lot of people get into stand up um, for the wrong reasons. You know, like it's like that usually don't have the best childhoods and, you know, or like they've got some sort of pain or angst or anxiety and that's why they get into it. But then I feel like to get really good at it, you almost have to get healthier mentally, mm-hmm. like to actually be really good at it. Yeah. yeah and I, I think, I, I, go ahead. 
So I was just going to say in the flip too, like if you're, if you're on stage to try and get your own therapy and be loved by the audience and get healing that, and that's your direct reason you're there, it's not going to work so well. If right. you also want to share and connect to people and help people and make them laugh in, in a way and help them see all the different aspects of life, then the audience is going to get healed and you're going to get healed and it's authentic. Yes, yes. That, to- that definitely resonates. Well, I didn't go into comedy to make people laugh. I really didn't. No, I, honest to God, I'm not kidding. Why did you I, go into comedy, Ed? Well, that's I didn't. good, actually. That is clear. I went in to learn how to be to be myself in front of wow. people. Oh, I yeah. love that. That's why I went into it. And that's well, why. That's, that's you know, the right thing. That's what my coach says. My coach says, you can't control whether they laugh or not. So you yeah. shouldn't be going up there trying to get laughs. So true. That doesn't mean I was good at it. It means that it means that you know it means that that was the intention, and that's kind of what I like about you know, when it, when it there was a trend in in comedy years ago. People were doing a lot of one person shows, and there was a thing about stand up where you know you started developing these shows in comedy clubs. This is years ago when they didn't have them, and so I used to I developed a one man show at the Improv in San Francisco. Uh, and I had to explain to the audience what I, the kind of show I was doing before I started. I literally had to explain it to them because they were expecting it to be, of course, stand-up comedy. And it was comedic, but it was more storytelling. And it was more mm-hmm. beginning, middle, and end. And mm-hmm. so that was an interesting you know, process. It's never good for comedy when you have to explain it, of course. But um, I started just handing out leaflets. No. Um, but. <laughs> But I, but it was so great for me when I could be my whole self yeah. in front of people and actually be funny and real. And yes. that was the best feeling in the world. See, that's a really good feeling. The thing about that thing is people will remember that. Yeah. Yeah, because I more and more I realize, first of all, it's interesting that you felt you had to explain it because what if you just hadn't explained it? You know, what if you just allowed well, uh, to figure it out. Part of it was that because nobody was doing this and people came in with a certain expectation, almost the club owners mm. almost wanted to orient these audiences okay. to what the, to what they were going to see because you know, they're expecting evening at the improv. I mean, right. they're expecting, you know, jokes and certain kind of stand up. So sense. so you know, it was it was definitely an interesting uh, an interesting experiment, but when I felt I could tell stories and I would just be naturally funny in the stories mm. and be everything that I was, I was home. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. So um, that's my goal as well. I mean, that's, I, I don't feel that I'm intrinsically a, a joke teller. You know, I don't really feel like that's my nature to be, you know, you see some of these New York comics and they're like joke machines. They just joke, 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 joke. And I think I'm much more of a storyteller too. Well, you're a good joke writer and a good joke teller, so you can do those things, but there's a lot more going on, and you're an actress, too, and so there's a lot that can go on. I mean, when you watch Richard Pryor live in concert, you realize, you know, that's that guy is raw, and he's brilliant, and he's acting out and living those moments in front of an audience. He's reliving them. Mm-hmm. And they're absolutely brilliant. So he's being his whole self. 
when he's doing right. stand up. And that's what it looks like. It looks like, you know, they used to say years ago, um, uh, they used to say, we like performers that leave a little something on stage for you. They leave a piece mm-hmm. of themselves on stage for you. You I can take that. it with you. And, and, and you do that by now I'm, listen, I'm talking to you theoretically now. I'm not saying that I could do this every night or that I even did it a lot, but I am saying that it's a good thing to remember when you're a performer. Well, yeah, because if you think about it, a lot of it is just, you know, what do you want to see for an hour? I mean, what, what interests you as an audience member? Because even I get tired of jokes after a while, you know? Yeah, right. (laughs) When when they're just hitting me with joke, 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 I think halfway through, I think, wow, they have a lot of jokes. (laughs) (laughs) You want to go on a journey, right? You want to have an experience. Yeah. And then I leave thinking, wow, they're a really impressive joke writer, but but what am I left with? Like, do I feel yeah. different or do, am I left with some new knowledge or who is that person? Like, I like a performer who tells me a little bit more about who they are. And that sometimes every once in a while you get into performers who are absolutely silly and crazy, but they're being so childlike. It's like a childlike part of themselves. Like Kevin Meany, rest his soul, years oh, ago. yeah. Kevin Meany would go in front of an audience. He was a very high energy comic and he would tell purposeful, bad one line jokes. Yeah. Like purposely bad. And then the audience would turn on him and then he would start singing this song. I don't care. I don't care. My jokes don't go over. I don't care. Uh, And he would start running around the stage. And I've seen him do that a million times in all kinds of difficult situations, and you're laughing your head off. And he wins the audience back? You're laughing your head off because he's being silly, and and it's really a part of him. But that's what Eric is saying. That's a takeaway too, right? Yeah, Not it's really, it's, it's like a there. it's childlike humor, and and I saw him follow Robin Williams, and he wow. he did wow. fantastically well. He could do anything, and then I've seen other comics who, you know, Jeff Bolt is a great example in San Francisco. He was a guy who would be very mild mannered, and he would follow these high energy acts, and they the audience would come to him yeah. because he was confident in who he was, and he was being who he was yeah well, I think that is something oh sorry no no go go I, I i can that's fine No, i was just thinking that's something you really see with established comics where they can follow anyone because they just they're they own their space like they just they're they don't try to be who was before them or they yeah, don't try to match are. them they, they reset the table with their energy and before we, now, Bill Hicks used to tell me this all the time. I know I sound like I'm 90 years old, but Bill used to tell me all the time. He'd say, whoever came before you or is ever going after you, that's your show. And that's why he always liked to come up to his own music. He would pick it and he'd say, because once that music goes on, it's my show. And mm. I don't really, I don't, I'm being my whole, I'm doing the whole thing. And he was an absolute genius. Well, um, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say what I'm hearing, which is so interesting, and it even goes back to dating. (laughs) It's really about having the relationship with yourself, being comfortable with who you are, and whether it's an audience of a few hundred people or it's an audience of one on a date, it's the same principle. Yes. Right? I I will say this, um, and I'm going to, before we wrap up, there's two things. One is, 
Um, I actually had a job when I first came to LA. They had unusual jobs that you could go to this agency called the Job Factory. One of my jobs was I got a job as a pretend dater. Um, they would give me a stipend and I would go out and have pretend dates with people who were petrified to go on dates. What? What a cool job that is. I was a pretend dater. They'd give me money for the dinner and a little bit left over. And I would actually go out trying to help people be at ease with something that they were terrified of. And And I was called a pretend dater. Did you get any real dates out of it? I didn't because I'm so good at repelling people. Um, <laughs> but and then I was I was not a pretend repeller, but I was a pretend dater. Um, but but honest to God, that's that's like a weird story. That's but, insane. That's crazy. But the but the other thing I wanted to just wrap up with this. Uh, well, wait, you know. I have a question for Jennifer before we wrap up. But I can sure. after that. No, no, go go right now. The biggest issue for me, I would say, with dating is if I'm not feeling it, how do you end it politely without being a total jerk? When you're just like, that's I'm just question. not feeling and I just want to get out. Because that's my biggest problem is is wanting to get out of it. Yeah. And then you're trapped, right? Yeah, you are and always you, yeah. trapped. And you know pretty early usually. You can yes. kind of feel if it's going. And then you just have to be. So it's interesting because we, we've talked on the show many times about the difference between being nice and being kind. Yeah, and being nice is like, oh, I've had a wonderful time, but I have to go. I got to, you know, they have, you make up some excuse why you have to leave, but that's actually not even giving the person sitting in front of you accurate feedback. And we'll, we'll get to what, how, you know, what being kind would look like, but just faking it. Then how are people supposed to figure out the date didn't work? Right. Right. So, so it's really by being kind, just, you know what, I've had a lovely time or, or, you know, we had a, we had a time, um, But the truth is, I'm just, I'm just not feeling it. I, you know, I appreciate the, the taking me out and it was nice meeting you, but I'm just feeling like this is, we just don't seem to have the chemistry and it's been well, you know, nice yeah. meeting you. Right. That's being kind because that's mm-hmm. the truth, first of all. And yeah. you're not, you're not seeing something that, because if you make up a whole story, that's not true. Your own body isn't going to like how that feels anyway. Right. And you don't have to do it in a mean way. You can, it, because it really is just about chemistry. And you can't plan that. I finally did do that with, um, I did go on it one date this whole time, like a very casual coffee date. And then he wanted to get dinner. And at first I thought, okay, yeah, I I would get dinner with him. But then he started texting me these long, long texts. And he's a really Mm. nice guy, but I just, it's like, it, it was very overwhelming to me when I don't know the person well to get paragraph texts that I had to yeah. read, you know? So, so then I just said on you know, and this was actually hard for me, but I texted him, you know, I've thought about it. And honestly, I just don't feel a connection in a dating way, but I'm right. happy to be friends. <laughs> there it is. That's it. You just answered your own question. That's exactly okay. what you do. So that and that is actually perfect. kind. That is okay. kind. It's kind to you. It's kind to them. Yeah. Because then he can go back and go, hmm, I wonder what I did. Maybe it was the long text and maybe he can adjust that next time. Right. right. So, so if, if we're not really honest in a kind way with each other, how can anyone figure out what they need to tweak and change anyway? And I think you did it perfectly and it's okay. hard to do. We're not trained to do that. We're not raised to do that, but honestly, yeah. it's the right thing to do. It really is. I know in the past I may have ghosted or maybe, you know, tried to keep coming up with excuses till he got the hint, you know, right. like I would not. Yeah. Or keep going when you're like, oh, yeah. your body, yeah, your body is going to tell you the right answer. 
Mm. And when you think of making up an excuse or going to dinner when you don't want to, you're going to feel a heavy anchor. Yes. That's what I used to, you know, I used to um, act on that opposite my intuition. So I used to feel like I don't want to go. And then I would force myself to go. And your body will tell you, your body is literally screaming at you. And when you actually did that and you said, thank you, you know what? I just don't really feel the chemistry. Didn't you feel lighter? Didn't you feel relieved? So much lighter. Yes. That's that's how you know you're making a good decision. Yeah. A bad decision will feel heavy in your body and kind of icky. Mm-hmm. And a good decision will feel free and you will feel lighter. And your body's talking to you all the time. We just need to pay attention. Yeah, that's what I've that's a lot of what I've been working on. Great. That's amazing. That's really, that, will, that will serve you well. It really will. It's great to hear that. And it is very clear and it's very you know, it's very respectful. It's very kind. That is really the kind thing right. to do. And people I do would find think, it harder to do in person. Like if I'm face to face with someone, that's still a challenge. Yeah, it is for most people. It it yeah. really is. But it's just sort of having the bigger picture that you're actually being so much nicer to that person. Because mm-hmm. let's say you didn't do that, right? And you went on three more dates because you felt like you wanted to be nice. <laughs> that poor person is now more invested in you. Yeah. More hopeful when there never should be hope. And right. you've really just made them feel a thousand times worse. Yeah. Right. And you've, you've made it possible. You made it possible. It's a gift in a way. It doesn't feel like a gift in the moment, but what's happened is you've made it more possible for them to meet the person that is right for them. Exactly. Right, And not waste. Yeah. You're not wasting anyone's time. Yeah. Right. I don't think people should feel like a, um, a pressure to try to make something work when you, when you instinctually know no. how to yeah. work. <laughs> well, that goes back to Ed's professor. If you're working too hard at it, it's not right. Yes. Yeah. It's not right. Right. And that's, well, that's, and that's well, I was just going to say this, Ed, because sometimes people get super picky and they're on the other end and the person does one small thing. Like you don't like how he folded his napkin and you're out. Like you also mm-hmm. have to be really honest with yourself about, Am I giving them a chance? Yes. Yes. And am I giving myself a chance or am I just bolting? Maybe we could do another, have another conversation about that, right? Because you can go too far the other way. But that's what I thought for a second I was doing when I said yes to dinner, but then the texting happened and I thought, I just don't think so. No, that's why you didn't question it because your body told you. It was like, oh, yeah. What am I doing? Like, (laughs) you don't have to question that. You know it. Right. We're literally living in virtual reality suits. That's our body and our brain. And it's giving us information all the time. We just really suck at listening to it. Yeah. That's what it's so interesting. It's so in line with what I'm working on. Great. Well, there's no coincidence in you coming on this show today. And I'm so, I'm really, I'm really just so happy that you're, you know, that you're doing these things for yourself. I think it's really great. And I think it's, uh, you sound meditating too. Oh, wow. So good. Well, that's such a gift. Yeah. Not to, to, you know, make everyone feel bad. (laughs) That's the most important thing. And can you picture somebody coming out and saying, yeah, I'm meditating. What about you guys? I am the world's greatest meditator. You people suck at meditating. You're a horrible meditator. Um, and you're not evolved. And I don't really like you. And I don't need it from you people. Um, no, I, I think we're, we're gonna. you're going to come back. We're going to talk about, uh, well, I definitely want to talk to you about meditation, but we're going to talk about a bunch of other things too. Do you meditate? I, I do. I do. Okay. 
Yeah. And I, and I, what kind do you do? Uh, I do apps and I also have been, I had a Vedic meditation teacher. So 20 oh, minutes a day, twice a day. That's and, and, oh, Vedic is great. Well, oh, all right. We do TM, which is the same. You do 20 sure. minutes twice a day. Well, we have to have, we're going to talk about that for sure. Um, and we have to, and we're going to meditate on the air. So that's, yes, I'm not kidding. That'll be like, um, what's his name? John, um, what's the guy's name? The four minutes. John Cage. John Cage is a composer who did a four minute. Oh, John 30, Cage. Yeah. Yeah. Thirty three. Yeah, yeah. Uh, four minutes and thirty three seconds of silence. Well, we're gonna, you know, b- boldly, we're gonna do a show about silence uh, next time. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I'm not kidding. Um, it's not that we're gonna be silent, but we're gonna we're gonna talk about you know silence. I used to go to Quaker meetings where they actually call for silence in a group of people. It's amazing. Um, I hope that when you're listening to the Mental Health Comedy Podcast, you're not thinking, you know, if there would just be silence for, for a little while on the show, that would be interesting. Um, but I want to thank you, Erica. It's Thanks, a pleasure Erica. to talk to you. Thank you, Ed and Jennifer. This was real. This flew by. Wow. I can't believe it. went fast. That's Erica Rhodes, and you can – you can find her special La Vie on Roads on Amazon Prime, uh, and you you'll love it. And uh, she's amazing. And it was a pleasure having Erica and Jennifer. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, I appreciate it so much. Learned so much from you every time. That's I want you to go to connectedparenting.com. You can find out more about Jennifer's work and uh, books and media and classes and all kinds of things. Um, all kinds of things that are useful and helpful uh, in, in living happier, living healthier. And I want to thank you for listening. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe. Uh, we're on the Believe Network, which is B-L-E-A-V.com, B-L-E-A-V.com. Uh, write, if you want, to Ed at Make Light Media, M-A-K-E-L-I-G-H-T. You can find the podcast there, too, and all the show notes, makelightmedia.com, M-A-K-E-L-I-G-H-T. Well, keep coming back at Works If You Work It. Take good care of yourselves, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.